Welcome to the Starting Line Church Sermons Podcast. Here at Starting Line Church, we are all about helping people embrace that there is more to life through Jesus. This sermon was first given at Starting Line Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey everybody, welcome to Starting Line Church. Uh, we are glad that you are engaging with us today wherever you are at, whenever you are watching. And um, we're glad that you are with us because we are beginning a brand new series called Possessing the Promise. This is a series that really we put in place about a year ago and we have been so excited uh, to get to this point where it is finally here. It's going to be a study on the book of Joshua where we see um, all that led to the nation of Israel's conquest and possession of the promised land and Joshua's leadership in that process. Getting to and be, uh, being in possession of the promised land took a very long time for the Israelites and it all started long before the book of Joshua. Years prior, God chose and called a man named Abraham to start a new nation. So him and his family became the people and the nation of Israel. But over time, after that, the Israelites, they become enslaved and were in bondage in Egypt for many, many years. <coughs> but through a man named Moses, a series of plagues, uh, a lot of turmoil, God rescued them out of Egypt. He made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai and he led them through the wilderness. But in the wilderness, the Israelites struggled big time. Because of their failing faith and their regular disobedience to God, they wandered for decades without reaching the new land that God had promised them years ago. Wandering without any sort of direction. They were lost. They were confused for a very long time. If you're familiar with the book of Exodus in the Bible, I just summarized basically that very quickly. But then in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, we see the Old Testament is all the events that, that were before the birth of Jesus. We see a switch and a turn of events. The book of Joshua is written by Joshua himself, and it's where we finally get to see the Israelites possess the land that God promised them and reach this milestone after all this time. Have you ever been in an organization or a company or an environment for a long time and a new leader comes in or another person joins the community and just does things differently than you're used to? They come with a different personality and leadership style and philosophy of doing things than the person before or how the people are currently doing things. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes it's not good or bad. It just takes some time getting used to the newness. Maybe you started a new job before in a new place and with new people and you try to kind of observe everything and get a feel for how things are done before you just come in and Start doing what you think you should be doing, regardless of the new situation, big or small. It sometimes feels like a lot of pressure to step into something new because of what happened before us. Today, <clears throat> we're going to start at the very beginning of the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, where a new leader is called upon. Moses was Israel's leader through the Exodus from Egypt, but we learn that he actually isn't the one who leads the Israelites into this next phase and season. 
He isn't the one who leads them into the promised land. It's a new leader whom God has appointed and called for this task. And we obviously know they have some big shoes to fill. Let's start reading in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you from the Negev wilderness in the south in the south to the Lebanon mountains, in the north from the Euphrates River, in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will never fail you or abandon you. So Moses, who has led the Israelites for decades upon decades, has died in his old age and therefore could not lead Israel into the land that God promised them, the land of promise and rest. It was someone else's turn. It was someone else's time to step up and lead this group of people. And we read that God, he officially appoints a man named, Mo, a man named Joshua to become their leader and Moses's successor. And what we have to understand about this is that it wasn't just a random hire. This wasn't just a quick career or quick decision because they were scrambling at Moses's death. Jo Joseph, Joshua, so many names. Joshua had spent his entire career as Moses's assistant. He saw how he did things. He knew the culture. He knew the ins and the outs. He had already been learning from Moses for all this time as he was in very close relationship with him. Joshua played a key role in the exodus from Egypt. He was the field manager, uh, general of Israel's army. He was a brilliant military leader and strategist and specialized in this area. In Exodus 24, when God calls Moses to Mount Sinai to receive the law, Joshua actually comes up the, up the mountain part way uh, with him. And Moses instructed him, hey, wait there, keep watch until I get back. <clears throat> In Numbers 13, the Lord tells Moses to send spies to explore the land of Canaan, which was the promised land, to see if it was ready for them. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua being one of them himself, said that, hey, that you should go into the land. We're ready. We're obeying what God is calling. That is where he's calling us. But out of fear, the others convinced everyone that they shouldn't. And that partially had to do with why they wandered in the wilderness for so long. All this to say. Joshua was a very strong spiritual influence and was known for his submission to God. And over time, he distinguished himself as a man of faith, a man of courage, and a man of leadership. He was an essential part to so many things that happened in the history of Israel and really was leading long before he had the title. But now he does. Joshua is the new official leader of Israel with fresh eyes, with new ideas, with creative thinking, with God guiding him in his past experiences. He was very prepared for this role. So with his character and his leadership potential, plus this new generation of people rising up for Israel, they were finally ready to cross the Jordan and possess the promised land. 
But I wonder, in Joshua's mind, if there was a tiny hint of fear. Did he feel this great pressure and great responsibility? I mean, for crying out loud, his new job consisted of leading more than 2 million people into a strange land that they've never been after their great leader Moses, after they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And not only was he supposed to lead them into the land, but they had to conquer the land and defeat all the evil people that had currently been living in it. I mean... Even with spending so much time with Moses and being so devoted to the Lord, this was not an easy task. And I'm sure Joshua felt that. I'm sure he had a lot of questions regarding what he was supposed to do and how he was supposed to lead and what God wanted from him. Who wouldn't have all these questions or maybe even some doubt stepping into something like this? We keep reading in verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua is just starting out. And I would imagine he's expecting God is going to tell him something profound, something amazing something he's never heard before that's going to rock his world, that's going to impact his leadership forever. But as God gives Joshua instruction on how to lead the Israelites well and effectively, it's not necessarily the words he might think. He doesn't get practical or use strategy. God doesn't give him a list of military actions to take. He doesn't give him a map on where he should go. He doesn't tell him to read the newest and latest <coughs> leadership book on all these <coughs> concept leadership principles that will make him the best leader ever. What's the key to being successful, you wonder? How are you going to be an effective and charismatic leader that people want to follow? Two things. Be strong and courageous and follow God's word. And in the simplicity of God's answer, we find so much hope and promise and assurance. First thing, be strong and courageous. In only four verses, God repeats this phrase three different times. We know that when anything is repeated, it's a sign of importance. It's a sign of significance. When someone repeats themselves, we assume that what they're saying is important. When someone repeats an action, we know what they're doing is significant. And we can assume the same about God. We see that he does this in the Bible all the time in many other places. So this be strong and courageous phrase that's mentioned over and over in these verses is a crucial part in what God is trying to communicate to Joshua here. And in giving Joshua this command to be strong and courageous, it means that it's not natural to him to be any of those things. 
It's actually more natural in our humanity to be afraid, to be in fear. So it's this recognition that it's not our strength and boldness that's going to get us through, it's God's. This isn't a call of strength and courage and confidence in ourselves. God wasn't telling Joshua to be strong because of how great Joshua is. Victory was not assured for the Israelites because Joshua is a great leader or because Israel is a great nation. Victory was assured for the Israelites because God is a great God. Victory was assured because God is a powerful God. It wasn't a bold courage in Joshua. It was a bold courage in God because there's a difference between self-confidence and God-confidence. Have you ever been afraid of something? Maybe it's big. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's justified. Maybe it's just kind of weird. No matter who we are or what we go through, fear exists. And where God willingly acknowledges that, he also encourages us that it's not an excuse to not move forward in fear. Fear is not a stop sign for walking in the direction that God has called us to go. We can actually still press on in the boldness of the Lord, even when we are afraid. And it's not just that we can, it's that we should. We can press on in fear because of the boldness we have in the Lord. And as we all know and have experienced, sometimes fear is present. Sometimes we are going to be faced with really scary stuff that we didn't choose to endure. Sometimes God is even going to call us to something that is going to bring us fear. I've been there. Maybe you've been there. We know that Joshua has been there. But what I love about our God is that he doesn't say, oh, you're afraid? Okay. You don't have to do it then. He speaks to the depth of Joshua's heart and says, do not be afraid. I am with you. I go before you and you are never ever alone. And he reminds him that strength and courage can exist even when there is fear. Because it's a strength and courage that comes and washes over us from God himself. And just as God was with Joshua, he's with us. He's with us when we face new challenges, new situations, new fears that, seem, that we seem to be drowning in. We may not conquer nations, but every day we face tough situations, frustrating setbacks, difficult people, hard temptations, and God promises us that he will never abandon us. He will never fail us, and we will never walk alone. Number two, follow God's word. God's second brilliant piece of advice for Joshua's leadership is to follow God's word. Follow God's voice, follow God's direction. Notice, notice that even though God has called Joshua to lead the Israelites, God is still in charge and he's making that clear. This direction alone shows that Joshua will lead this nation, of, this nation of people in the way the Lord wants him to go. It will be under the authority, ultimate authority of God. 
So his instruction is to study God's word, meditate on what God has to say, obey everything that God says. If he wants to be a successful leader, Joshua's commitment to God's word would be the pillars and the foundation for that success and effectiveness. It's this call to read it and listen to it, but to act on it. It had to be on his lips and in his mind and in his heart. And he had to actually do what God said. It's not about controlling others or situations, but allowing ourselves to be controlled by God. It's not about our authority. It's living under the authority of Christ. It's not about what we gain. It's actually about our obedience to God. And it's this reminder for Joshua that God's word lived out in his leadership is a guarantee 100% to success and good leadership. Not because it promises a life without problems, but because he knew that he would be guided by the one who brings strength, who brings courage, who brings boldness in the scariest and most fearful situations. And those moments were coming for Joshua. And God knew that. So God says, hey, Joshua, You want to be a good leader? You want to make a difference in the world? You want to lead the Israelite people well? Two simple things that come with great responsibility. Be strong and courageous and follow me. And just like God called Joshua to these things, he calls you. I am here to tell you today that the same encouragement the Lord gives his servant to his servant Joshua is the same encouragement that he wants to give to you. And you might be thinking, me? Me? This isn't for me. I don't do anything important. I don't lead anybody. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because leadership is about influence. And every single one of us influences someone, whether you know it or not, or whether you believe it or not, every single person is a leader because every single person leads somebody else. If you are a human being on the planet, you have some type of influence in someone's life. Maybe it's in your job at work, Maybe it's with your friends at school or in your community. Maybe it's being a parent. Maybe it's where you volunteer. Maybe it's in your family. Whatever it is, your voice and your actions have some type of influence over someone else in your life. And that's a big deal. Many people think prosperity and success come from having power and influential contacts and relationships with important people, having influence (coughs) that is controlling and a relentless desire to get ahead and be the best. Maybe it's in your job at work. Maybe it's with your friends at school or in your community. Maybe it's being a parent. Maybe it's where you volunteer. Maybe it's in your family. Whatever it is, your voice and your actions have some type of influence over someone else in your life. And that is a big deal. Many people think prosperity and success come from having power and influential contacts and relationships with important people. It's having influence that is controlling and a relentless desire to get ahead and be the best and work our way up. And that is not correct. The strategy for being an effective leader in any context in our life that God teaches Joshua about does not have any of that criteria in it. God doesn't mention any of that. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be Joshua-type leaders. He is calling you to be like Joshua. 
He looks at you and says, get up, rise up, step up. I have called you to lead in a way where your strength comes from me and where you follow after me in fear, in uncertainty, in joy, in the mundane, in the hardship, in all of it. So are you ready to be a Joshua kind of leader? The good news is if you're not ready, the Lord knows you can. Not because of what you bring or don't bring to the table. Because it's based on him and not you. So as we leave here and as we go through our week and as we begin this series, let's be encouraged that whatever we face in this life, God goes before us, he is with us, and he is all around us. Amen and amen. Let's hold on to that promise together. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Starting Line Church or to help support our ministry here, check us out at www.startingline.church.